What's up with that? That's the question we want to ask, that we want to answer this morning is what's up with that? What's up with that? Amen. Everybody got your, your note sheet? There's a clipboard there for you so that you can follow along and fill out the, the note sheet, fill in the blanks so you have the answers when you go home. You can use that as a study guide all week long. All right. Well, we've begun to talk about at the beginning of this year that this is the year of tremendous fruitfulness, that we will bear fruit, that we'll press into it. You know, to be fruitful means you've got to press into maturity. And with God, it means you've got to press into intimacy with Him because He says, without me, you can do nothing. If you abide in the vine, he said, if my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will. In my name, he said, and it shall be done. So it's abiding in him, abiding in his word, pressing into a new level of fruitfulness, a new level of intimacy with God so that we can bear fruit. Why? He chose us so that we would bear fruit. He said, you didn't choose me, but I what? chose you so that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. So he chose you. You are chosen specifically. He passed up somebody else to choose you so that you could bear fruit, that your fruit would remain. Bear the God kind of fruit in your life. Amen. So others would look at your life and they would see your good works and they would glorify God just because of the good works that are on your life. They look at you and they see God. So we're growing to a new level of that in our lives. You know, because it's real easy in this day and age to just sit back. Sit home. I can talk to you. I ain't even got to go nowhere. Amen. It's real easy to not, uh, to be present, to not be in the moment. We live in a day and age where it's really easy to just kind of hide out. But God didn't call us to hide out. He called us to shine bright in a city, a city set on a hill can't, can't not be seen. Amen. So he's raised you up and he set you on a hill. He set you in a place of prominence so that you'll shine. Amen. So people will see you shine and they'll glorify God. So we're growing into fruitfulness this year, a level of fruitfulness we've never been at before. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about pressing into something so that by, by the end of this year, even right now, I feel like there's just no going back that we've started on this journey and there's no turning back, that we can only press on further and, and, and even to even greater heights of knowing him, greater heights of his spirit being poured out in our life, greater heights of consecration, really coming out from among them and being separate so God can really talk to us. Amen. So we've been looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and the power that the Holy Spirit brings to our lives. And one scripture I was meditating on this week, and, and it really is just getting fun to be in church. Because 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. It's like we put restraints on ourselves. Over all these years where we just have been restrained from showing the power of God. Afraid that we would scare people off. And now when you think about it, you think, is there anything more ridiculous? than to think that the power of God would scare people off. That's what people are hungry for. People are hungry for the supernatural. There's a place inside you that is supernatural. (laughs) And it wants to to commune with the supernatural God and show forth the supernatural works of God. So, you know, that's not something that people are afraid of. It's, It's what people are longing for. We have the answer. Amen. So we're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I'm just excited about the liberty that we're beginning to experience in this church. A greater freedom to worship. Amen? To express our worship. 
Um, I love it when Joshua comes down and, and begins to worship down here. I love it when, um, when Mama comes down and, and Terry comes down and she worships here at the altar. I want us to be free for that. When we, by the time we get over there, I want us to be like a horse at the gate. As soon as we open it, I want us running in there, ready to worship God at a whole nother level. Amen. No more of this holding back where we come in where we can just be free. I can just, this is where I can just let everything go from all week. I've been worried about this and that and the other. I can leave all that at the door and come in. It's just me and God and my church family for an hour and a half. Amen. Amen. So greater levels of liberty. That's where I'm going. I don't know about you, but... Liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Okay, so we've been looking at the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to look at the last two this week and next week because it's too much to get in on one lesson. I don't want you to choke. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Now about the spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? The special endowments of supernatural energy. Brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. So God is letting us know here that there are special endowments of supernatural energy that we should be experiencing in our Holy Spirit-led life And he doesn't want us to be misinformed because you can grow up in a church that does not have the gifts of the spirit flowing. And then when you come among believers who do have it going, you're like, what in the world is this? That's how I was. I was raised Catholic. We didn't raise our hands. You just did what they told you to do. You repeated what the priest said, said to you and also with you. And then you kneel down when it's time to kneel down. You stand up when it's time to stand up. Then you sit down when it's time to sit down. And they had actually on a piece of paper what you're supposed to say back. I ain't hating on it. I'm glad that I had that Catholic background. So I'd have some knowledge of God so I could cry out to him myself when I was 17 years old. Amen. So I'm not not hating on that. But I was misinformed. I didn't even know about the rapture. My friend told me about the rapture when I was 16. I'm like, what? You've got to be kidding me. She said, no, Jesus is going to come back and take the believers with him. And if you're not ready, you're not going to go. And it's going to be terrible if you don't make it. From then I was like, oh, my gosh. How could I not know this? But there were some things I was misinformed about. And so when I came into a spirit-filled church and I saw people, um, you know, operating in the gifts of the spirit, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is one of those churches I've heard about. They're going to roll in the floor and scream and holler and run and throw babies and Bibles and wigs are going to go everywhere. This is about to get crazy up in here. You know, I thought, uh-uh-uh, as soon as I find an exit, y'all will never see me coming back through it again. But I decided I would stay around because I felt something. There was a witness in my spirit that went along with what they did. And you know what? They didn't roll. They didn't run. They didn't throw babies or wigs or Bibles. They didn't do that. They, they, had, they had a discipline, but yet the spirit was freely moving. So I'm like, okay, could there be something I don't know from the word? Because you know how we think we know it all. You know how we can think, you know, I know everything. But, you know, the longer we live with God, the more we learn. And, and you'll never stop learning as long as you're on this side of eternity. You're going to keep on learning. Amen. Amen. So there, he doesn't want us to be misinformed or ignorant. He wants us to know what these gifts are. So here they are, just a little bit, six scriptures over. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. And we've been through all of them. These are the last two, but let's just read it so that we can remind ourselves. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. Now, the word of knowledge is when God drops something in your spirit that you had no way of knowing. Nobody told you. Uh, You didn't learn it in a book. You didn't know it. But God just told you something about a person that you had no way of knowing. Amen. Like Jesus with the woman at the well. 
where he, she said, um, she said, give me that living water you've been talking about. Sir, I want this living water. He said, okay, here comes the water. Go call your husband, tell him to come here. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right, you don't have a husband because you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. She said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet because there's no way he could have known that. So through a word of knowledge, he arrested her attention. And this woman who thought she was coming for a drink of water left with a river in her soul. And she went to the people of Samaria and the whole city got saved because of this one encounter she had with Jesus who simply had a word of knowledge. See, that's what it's all about. We should be having encounters with people with these supernatural endowments of energy, supernatural energy from the Holy Spirit where we just know something. And if we'll be bold enough to just speak it, at first you think, I want to be timid. What if that's just me? What if it's, what if it's, what if it's just me? Well, what if it's God? What if it's really Him? It has the power to tell, make a woman leave her bucket at the well and, and run, run off and become an evangelist. She forgot why she even went to the well. Amen. Make somebody forget why they came to the grocery store or the post office. They forget what they even went for. They just run to go tell people, you'll never believe what just happened to me. A real encounter with God. Then a word of wisdom shows you how to do something, how to walk out a situation. God shows you how to do something. And then to another, verse 9, faith by the same spirit. This is where God gives you faith to believe for something when others are telling you you ought to forget about it. I remember a story about a woman who was pregnant with her, uh, her second child, and uh, she got a fever. The, the mother who was pregnant got a fever that was so high that she should, she should have was like 106, something crazy, where she shouldn't have even lived. And they said, ma'am, this baby's not going to be born right. It's going to be something wrong with this baby if it's born. And uh, she just refused to believe what the doctor said. She said, absolutely not. This baby will be born exactly normal, exactly like God wants it to be born. And she, she wouldn't talk to that doctor anymore. Amen. And that child was born perfectly normal. Amen. So sometimes God will give you a gift of faith to stand against something or to stand in a situation. And it's like Peter who got out of the boat and walked on the water while there were 11 others who sat in the boat. But Peter had the gift of faith that said, I believe I can, I can do something others are not even willing to try. Amen. To another, gifts of healings. God is still a healing God, still in the healing business. Amen. To another, the working of miracles. You know, Jesus worked miracles. He turned the water into wine. He fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. That's a miracle, amen? I've heard about people over in India who had um, rice. They, were, they had a big conference, and all they had was like rice and beans or something like that. But they said they just declared that they'd have the same miracle that Jesus had. And he said every time they kept scooping out some rice, more would be in there. Every time they scooped out rice to feed these people, there would be more in there, more in there. So I've heard about miracles and things like that that are still happening. Amen. And so um, he is still a, a wonder-working, miracle-working God to another prophecy. And prophecy is to foretell something where God drops something in your spirit that you tell over a person that they don't even know what's coming up in their future, but God drops it in you. And he may not give you the whole thing at one time, but he'll give you a little bit. And if you'll be faithful to open your mouth and say that, the rest will come tumbling out. So you have to trust God to be able to use these gifts to another discerning of spirits. And we talked about that last week, and that is where you discern where something is coming from. Is this coming from God? Is this coming from the Holy Spirit? Is this um, demonic? Is this just the spirit of man? What is this? And God gives you the the ability to discern a situation or discern spirits that are behind stuff. Okay, and so now this week we want to look at 
this part that says to another different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay, let's get started. Now, the first thing is that since these are all gifts from the spirit and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, we ought to desire it. We ought to desire it. First Corinthians 14, 1 in the Amplified, it says, And earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments or gifts. So this is something that God is saying we should earnestly desire. And we should cultivate these gifts. So the first time you begin to operate in one of these gifts, you may stumble a little bit. But that's okay the first time you tried to ride a bike. It was a little rough too, wasn't it? It's okay, but you got on another time, right? And you might have ridden a little bit better the next time, but there's something in you said, wait, that wasn't as hard as I thought. I think I think I can do it better this time. Amen? So so same thing with the spiritual gifts. You just continue to cultivate and to use those gifts, and it'll become easier and easier, just like using your legs when you were a toddler. Amen? Ephesians 5.18. Look at this one. It says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. And dissipation actually means spiraling downward. And excess, it means excess. It says, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. So he's saying here, you know, it doesn't mean that, that you shouldn't ever drink wine or that God says you shouldn't, that, that wine is off the table for any believer. Unless you have an addictive personality, you got to know yourself. It's okay for you to have a, a, a glass of wine, you know, but don't get drunk. Because you get drunk, that's just dumb. If you get drunk, and especially if you get drunk and drive, we watch live PD every week, week, and they're always pulling somebody out of the car. How much you had to drink? One beer. How much you had to drink? Two glasses of wine. And they get them out to walk the line, and, of course, they're driving, you know, while intoxicated. So, so don't be intoxicated. But he says... Be ever filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, being filled with the Holy Spirit is the greatest high I've ever had in my life. I've never been so high because it was a pure high. It was the joy of God. You know, you can't describe it because it's such a spiritual happening. It's such a spiritual experience that really aren't human words to explain how wonderful it was. Some people like to say it was like he poured liquid love all over me. It's kind of close. Like warm oil poured in me and over me. That's, it, it does feel warm. It does feel wonderful. But then there's a joy and there's a peace and there's a worship that comes with being filled with the Holy Spirit that it'll make you never the same again. Never the same. So he says, be ever filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. You don't need to get drunk. You just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. Amen. All right. And number two, the gift of tongues. Let's talk about the gift of tongues. All right. Number one, speaking in tongues is a sign that follows believers. Now, I'm going to start with just some basic information about speaking in tongues because I want to be sensitive about the fact that there may be some of us here that were like I was who didn't really understand anything about it. I'm like, that's in the Bible? I thought people just did that without it being in the Bible. But it's, it's in the Bible. You'd be surprised how many scriptures there are about speaking with tongues. Now, this is John the Baptist talking. On this scripture here in Matthew 3.11, he said, He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit 
and fire. So he was talking about Jesus because he's the one who baptized unto repentance. But he said, there's one who's coming after me, Jesus. He's coming. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Message translation. Look at this. He will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. Woo! Then look what Jesus said. Now, this is Jesus talking. I had no idea that Jesus said this until I, I went into a spirit-filled church and began to study this for myself. Mark sixteen seventeen. Jesus said, and these signs will follow those who believe. Would you undersign that, under, underline that? Will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. And we talked about that a little bit last week. In my name, they will cast out demons. Then the very next thing is, they will speak with new tongues. That's Jesus talking. Jesus said that that is a sign that would follow believers. They will speak with new tongues. So what is tongues? Let's look at at, at that word. It's glossa. And it means languages, especially one not naturally acquired. So this is a word that is just for tongues, not lang- just languages, but this is a language that you didn't naturally acquire. It's a language that's given to you from God, okay? It's the supernatural abil- ability to speak in a language not known to you, okay? Acts 2 and 4. See, um, Jesus told the disciples, he said, I want you to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. Go and preach to everyone. He said, but wait until you're endued with power from on high. He said, um, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. You'll be witnesses. But so he told them they had to wait until they received the Holy Spirit. Up until then, Jesus hadn't said anything about tongues until he told them about about this in in Mark 16, 17. This is a sign that would, would follow. And so when the day of Pentecost came, that's what happened. They began to speak with other tongues. Acts 2, 4. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And be, well, see, let me just set the stage for this. There were about 120 of them, the disciples, plus, plus others, until there were 120 of them waiting in an upper room in Jerusalem. They, Jesus told them geographically where to wait, where the Holy Spirit would be pulled out. So they're in it poured out. They were in this upper room, and they were all with one accord in one place. They were all praying for the Holy Spirit to come. So as they were there waiting, it says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of, as of a rushing mighty wind. And this wind came in and it said that fire came in and it was like tongues of fire sat on each of their heads. It was a supernatural sign that happened with this new brand new beginning of the Holy Spirit. He says, and, and look what it says here. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of them? They were all filled. Underline that. They were all filled. They were all filled. They were all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were all filled and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the words. All right. So when when you begin to speak in tongues, I know that when I began to speak in tongues, it was like I, w- I, I wanted to have a very... Um, intimate um, time with God when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, I didn't want an emotional thing to happen around me that I had to ever wonder, was this emotion or was this God? I didn't want that. I wanted to be at home by myself 
just me and God because I had enough faith to receive it. See, once I'd seen it and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? What is with all this? I began to look up the scriptures and I dug it out. I wanted, there was, he says, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, he says, come after me, right? If you're thirsty, you're blessed because you'll be filled, right? Knock on the door. It'll be open to you. Seek and you'll find. Ask and it'll be given to you. He says he'll give you the Holy Spirit, but you got to come looking for it. I don't think you can be halfway convinced and still receive it. I wanted it with all my heart. I was saved, sure enough. I still have the joy of my salvation. I hadn't been saved very long at all. But I wanted this I want, because I began to study the Scriptures. And you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the more I studied on the Holy Spirit, the more I, I, I received faith in my heart to receive it. So I decided, you know, I'm going to be by myself when this happens because I wanted to really be God. So I was by myself at home in the shower getting ready to go to church. And I said, okay, I'm just ready right now. I just can't wait anymore. Thank you, Jesus. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit right now with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I began to speak in tongues in the shower. And it's like I began to speak. So where it says they all began to speak. You don't wait for the Holy Spirit to just come and take you over. And he's going to take me over and I'm no longer Sally anymore. I'm the Holy Spirit in Sally's body. That's not what happens. You're still you. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Just like I draw in breath to speak English, um, you're going to use your vocal cords. You're going to use your lungs. You're going to use your tongue. You're going to use your mouth. You're going to form the words. The only difference is the words aren't coming from here. They're coming from here. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And once it begins to flow, that's exactly what it feels like, a river. It begins to flow. He gives you the word. He gives you the words, but you supply the sound. It's not spooky. It's not weird. It's not crazy. Nothing awful is going to happen to you. You're not going to run around uncontrollably or anything like that. That's not what happens. You can be just as as normal as I'm being right now. That wasn't weird, was it? I just spoke in a language you didn't understand and neither did I. But it's your spirit praying directly to God. Let's get back on track with the scripture so I don't get out of order and get you confused. Amen. Everybody good so far? I had lost anybody. Y'all all right? All right. Let's keep going. Okay. So here's Paul laying hands on some, uh, some other believers in Acts chapter 19. Said, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So Paul laid hands on them. He did his part. So another spirit-filled believer can lay hands on you and impart the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's another way that you can receive it. I was by myself when I received, but you, you, can, receive, um, you can receive with somebody else praying for you. So Paul laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit did his part and came upon them, and then they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So Paul did his part. God did his part, and then you do your part. If you just stand there and wait for God to take you over, it's not going to happen. You have to begin to speak, and then the language will come forth. Amen. All right. Number two, speaking in tongues is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Luke seven thirty-seven through 39 <clears throat> says, Now on the final and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried in a loud voice, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 
He who believes in me, who cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. So it's something after your first, your initial first infilling of the Holy Spirit, when you first begin to speak with other tongues, you've just been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this river is there. What does it say? From his innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. So it will flow continuously. That's why now anytime I get ready to speak in tongues or to pray in tongues, I just begin to do it. And the Holy Spirit supplies the words just like he did the first time I was ever filled. Amen. Everybody good? Everybody, nobody confused? Just a little bit? No. Just hang on. We'll keep going here. Okay. It says, so, so what he says, from his innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. But he was speaking here of what? Of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed, trusted, had faith in him were after, afterward to receive. So he was talking about something that was coming, coming, coming up for them. But of course, now that we've talked about it, it's already happened. All right. I just confused myself with that one. Number three, why tongues? <laughs> why tongues? All right. Why tongues? Number one, it's a sign to unbelievers. And this really kind of shook me up a little bit as I was studying for this lesson. But tongues is a sign to unbelievers. But we've been holding our tongues so that unbelievers wouldn't get offended. Man, the devil has had us captive for some time here now. So why tongues? It's a sign to unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. See, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it said that people heard them speaking in their own native tongue. There were people there from all over because they were there for the Feast of Pentecost. So they'd come from everywhere, and they, they, they heard the, the 120. They each heard them speaking in their own language. So they, they were speaking to the disciples. They didn't understand what they were saying. But the people who heard them understood what they were saying as they heard them praising and glorifying God in their own native languages. Here's an example of this that's happened just recently. When, when the little guy was here, Kimo, that I told y'all that we were um, praying for him who manifested the demonic and everything right down here. We, we were casting the devil out of him. And, uh, man, he's gotten just so unbelievably free. He came. We were sitting right back over here. We were talking about how he's doing now. And he said, man, I've got to just ask you a question. I said, what is it? He said, well, all of y'all were praying over me. He said, I heard y'all, y'all, were, y'all were praying in, in, in ancient languages. And we were all praying in tongues all around. He said, y'all were praying in ancient. I thought it was strange. He said ancient languages. I said, yes, that everyone was praying in tongues. Why? He said, just because I heard them. I said, did you understand what they were saying? He said, yes. I said, what were they saying? He said, they were praising God. Now, we, we, we didn't know what we were saying. We were just all praying in tongues around this guy. It's sort of like you get in, I don't know, a, more of a boldness when you pray in the Holy Ghost. But we were all praying in the Holy Ghost around him, and he heard us, and he understood the languages that we were speaking. He's not from here. He's from Guam. So he speaks more than just English. He speaks a couple, several different languages, and some of them may be very ancient languages that he knows from his, from his uh, town where he's from. But he heard us at this altar speaking in, in, in ancient languages. Now, isn't that something? Now, um, at my very first church, they were having an intercessory prayer time. And uh, our chief intercessor, Brother Bob, his name was Brother Bob. Brother Bob could pray you under the 
table. He just, he could just pray. And uh, so he, we were, they were all standing in a circle praying. And there was a man there who was a guest minister who was standing next to Brother Bob holding hands while they prayed over this situation, whatever it is they were praying for. And when they finished praying, the, the guest minister asked Brother Bob, he said, are you from the Middle East by chance? He said, no, I've never even been there. He said, why do you ask? He said, well, because when you were praying, you were praying, per- you, we, I heard you speaking perfect Aramaic. He said, really, what was I saying? He said, you were praying for an orphanage over in the Philippines. Wow. So this tongues is about your spirit praying directly to God, but that's some kind of a sign for an unbeliever to hear you speak in their language glorifying God. It was a sign. 3,000 people got saved that first day, and it all started with them. Speaking in tongues. Amen. Acts 2, 6 through 8. It says, And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. This is after they'd received it, and they heard them all speaking. It says, And we were and were confused because everyone heard them speak <coughs> in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear, hear each in our own language in which we were born? Isn't that something? So, um, amen. So it's for a sign to unbelievers. 3,000 unbelievers got saved that first day, that first initial day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All right, number two, why tongues? A deeper way of praying. A deeper way of praying. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Another a translation says they utter mysteries by the spirit so let's look at it in the message translation if you praise him in the private language of tongues god understands you but no one else does for you are sharing intimacies just between you and him it is your spirit praying directly to god your spirit it it goes past your brain in other words that's why some people have troubles praying in tongues because you're like, well, I don't know what to say. I just want to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's not tongues. That's English. And you're saying, thank you, Jesus. You set your brain on the back burner for a minute and you let your spirit just pray directly to God. Your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit's doing flip-flops. You're doing cartwheels in the spirit. And, and so it, it builds you up. It builds you up and it causes you to pray the perfect will of God. So it's our our spirit praying directly to God in a language that God understands. So the Holy Spirit prays through you the perfect will of God. All right, let's keep going. Number three, it builds up the believer. When you pray in tongues, you build yourself up. Anywhere there's tongues are tongues and interpretation because there's two kinds of tongues. There's the tongues where your spirit is praying directly to God, and there's the tongues in a group session where... um, God moves on one person to speak in tongues and then someone else will interpret it or the same person will interpret it. That's God talking to us. But either way, it's communication with God. All right. So this first kind of tongues that we're talking mostly about is your private tongues, your private language where your spirit is praying directly to God. It's it's so cool because the devil doesn't understand tongues. He doesn't understand it. Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So it's, it's, maybe it's angelic tongues that we're speaking. Maybe it's a com- combination of several languages together, but God understands every word. 
Amen. So it's a supernatural sign and it builds up the believer. Look at Jude 20. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Remember that? Praying in tongues is your most holy faith. Would you underline that? Your most holy faith. Wouldn't be believing in Jesus be my most holy faith? No. God says praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost is your most holy faith. Why? You know, Jesus dying on the cross for my sins, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? That, that makes sense. He died for all of us so we don't have to die. We just believe in what he did, right? But to pray in a language that I don't understand to a God that I can't see and know that he understands every word and my brain has to sit on the back burner, that don't make no sense. That's my most holy faith. Amen. The scripture validates why we should, but it's your most holy faith. Trust in God. I'm going to pray in this language. And once you receive the Holy Spirit, you, you know, you're never at the mercy of someone who's got an argument from the word or from their perspective when you've had an experience with God. Once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, oh, you come too late to try to argue with me about it because I've already experienced it. I remember it like it was yesterday. Amen. So he calls it your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Number four, the Spirit helps us to pray more effectively. He helps us to pray more effectively. So we're working with limited knowledge here, right? Let's just say somebody told you about an orphanage in the Philippines that needed to be prayed for. You say, okay, God, I ask you to send money. I ask you to send helpers, clothes, food, um, construction money, water, goats for milk or whatever, whatever it is. You know, we, we have limited knowledge. But God knows intimately everything. Maybe this, maybe this orphanage hasn't even been built yet. Maybe the person who's going to build it hadn't even gotten the, the idea from God yet. God may be talking about something that's 20 years in the future, but he needs you to bring it to pass in the earth by speaking it out. See, stuff has to happen because it's spoken. We'll have whatsoever we say, right? So there's some things that God wants us to speak out that if we knew stuff about it, we'd mess it up because we'd try to help. But when you pray in tongues, you pray the perfect will of God. The Spirit Himself, the Spirit Himself makes intercession through you with groanings that can't be understood. You know, um, it says that the Spirit knows everything, that the Spirit searches out everything, the deep things of God. See, the Spirit searches out the deep things of God, and He, and he, he uses us to pray through those deep things of God. Y'all, this is, this is solid food we're, we're eating this morning. Solid food. Don't choke. Okay? Don't choke. <laughs> but this is solid food. Romans eight twenty six through 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. There are some things you don't know. When you're praying for somebody and you're just looking at what's going on the outside of them, you're just seeing that they're being mean as a snake, doing just awful, ugly things. You don't know what's going on in the heart of that man or woman. You don't know what happened in the heart of them, but God knows. So when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and let Him pray through you the perfect will of God by praying in tongues then you're really praying effectively over that person. I'm not saying that we can't pray some real well-meaning good prayers over people just with our... I'm not saying that we can't. But when we pray in tongues, I'm telling you, that thing goes to the stratosphere. 
where you're praying the perfect will of God. So we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself, would you underline that? The Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Look at it in the message. It says, if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. But look back again over at, under, right above the message translation in verse 27 where it says, would you underline that where it says, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So according to the will of God, we might pray what we think is our best because we only know in part. Y'all with me? Amen. We only know in part. We only know what we see. But he knows the stuff that's on the backside that we can't see. Stuff that's around the next corner we know nothing about. So we, we pray, let the Holy Spirit pray the perfect will of God in every situation. Whew, I know this is good stuff this morning. Don't chuck, don't choke y'all. Just keep, just keep chewing it. Amen? Just keep chewing it. All right, number five. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. You might say, well, Pastor Sally, you know, I believe, I don't, just don't think that's for me. I think that's a gift that's maybe for someone else. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. Praying in tongues is for everyone. Now, the gift of the Holy Spirit in the church where God talks to us, that is a gift that he distributes as he will. But this gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Look at what Peter said in Acts 10.34. He said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Or he's no respecter of persons. So he'll, he will give the Holy Spirit... Um, to you if he's given it to me or anyone else. Amen? All right. Joel 2, 28 through 29. Look what he says here. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on what? All flesh. Your sons and your daughters. That means men and women, boys and girls. They shall prophesy. Your old men. So the old and the young. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants. On every station in life. From the richest to the poorest. Amen. That, that the Holy Spirit is for everyone. He said, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Acts 2.38. Because after uh, uh, Peter had finished preaching to him. All those 3,000 that were out there who heard him speaking in tongues after Peter had gotten finished preaching to him. Um, Acts 2.38, they said, what should we do to be saved? What should we do? What do we need to do to be saved? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. As many as the Lord our God will call. So if your denomination taught you that the, the, the gift of speaking in tongues passed away with the disciples, if they needed it, then we need it. Yeah. Amen. And that Jesus says it, or, or uh, Peter says it right here in the Word just as plain. The promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. He was talking about you and me right there. We were the ones who were afar off. As many as the Lord our God will call. Wave at me if God's called you. Amen. He's called every single one of us. All right. Now I want to just 
sort of introduce. I've been teaching more this morning than preaching. I hope that's all right, because every now and we just need to be taught. We'll rear back and preach again next week on this, but but uh, this week I want to just give you just a little bit about this so we can touch on it. So that's the tongues that we've talked about so far are the tongues that should be in everyone's life. He wants all of us to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us. And if you have not received the Holy Spirit at the end of service today, when we get finished, I'll be finished in just a moment, you can come forward and we will pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit right here, right now. Amen. Amen. All right? Okay. But this is talking about tongues in a church setting. This is where um, God moves on a person in a church setting or in, in this church setting where you would feel like you would know that you have a message from God. And it's not a message in your earthly language or in English, but it is a message that comes from God. And, and, it, and it comes through tongues and interpretation. That uh, when I showed you, uh, what, three weeks ago, where Dr. Frederick Price was speaking over my life, I pl- played the video of that. He actually had just spoken in tongues right before he said that. So that was actually tongues and interpretation. It was a prophetic word, but remember how I told you all the gifts sort of run together? They sort of flow together. You've got to have faith to prophesy, and, you know, you, you, you know, they all work together. So it was tongues and interpretation, but it was a prophetic word. So God wants to do that in the church where he moves on someone to speak in tongues at a proper time, like you wouldn't interrupt the message. While the, the word is going forth, you wouldn't interrupt that. Um, during a time like where we were real quiet down here during worship, that would be a good time. That would be a good time. And uh, if, if that happens, I just want you all to be, be ready to know what to do. At that time, we would sort of bring the music down. Praise team, if you heard somebody begin to, to um, speak out in a tongue or in a word of tongues, um, then everybody would sort of settle down. God is talking. It's a very reverent moment. It's a moment where, y'all, we are changing the culture of this church. We are becoming a spirit-filled church. So that's why I'm taking my time to teach you today so that we'll be um, equipped and ready to receive it. Amen? So, so that's why I'm not hooping today, but I want you to, I want you to get this because we are changing. God is changing us from just a church to being a spirit-filled church where His Spirit is free to move in here. So when things get kind of quiet there, we're, we are on purpose creating a moment for God to move. It may be at the end of service where, where th- things are quiet. God will let, if God has moved on you with the tongues, he'll also show you the moment. Amen? And that's a moment where you'd want to be bold. And so um, let's, let's see what the word says about that. Tongues in a church setting like this. So, um, you know, Paul talked a lot about it where he said, I'd rather speak. I might even put that scripture down. I probably did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did put that one down. Um, Because he had to keep correcting the Corinthian church. Because the Corinthians, they all wanted to speak with tongues. And so he would get to a service there where they'd be meeting together and there'd be 10 people speaking in tongues all at the same time. It'd be like, this is just total chaos. So let me give you all some instruction. He says, don't forbid to speak with tongues. So we don't want to forbid anybody to speak with tongues. If you have a message from God in tongues, we just make sure that it's done decently and in order. Because Paul had to, to, to get them to recognize they were so excited about speaking in tongues. It's a wonderful thing, but no one understands you unless there's an interpretation. So... 
He had to get order in the church so that they could be correct about how they used it because they were so excited. They had a zeal, but they didn't have any wisdom. They needed to have the wisdom on how to use it. Okay, all right, here we go. Tongues in the church setting. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 15. It says, Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So sometimes while we're in a group setting together, sometimes we'll just sing in the Spirit. Or sometimes, you know, while we're praying at the altar, we'll pray in tongues while we're here because it just builds us up as we're doing the praying. Amen. Or while we're praying for maybe the people who are standing behind the people who are being prayed for, then they put their hands on them and then they pray in tongues. Why? Because they're praying the perfect will of God. So I don't want anybody to be shocked if somebody's praying in tongues down here because that's the, the, the kind of tongues that they're praying to God, right? But the kind of tongues where God is talking to us is, is the one that we're talking about now. But, but I, uh, uh, <laughs> this is a lot to try to explain. But, but, but if you're in a group setting like this and you're praying in your prayer language, that's where you, you don't want people to feel like, it's confusion. Does that make sense? Have I confused anybody? Okay. All right. Okay. So when God is talking to us, you'll feel an unction. You'll feel, you'll, you'll know it. When, when he moves on you with that, you'll know it. And then you just begin to speak with tongues. And then either you'll flow with the interpretation or someone else will flow the, with the interpretation. So that's a moment where we'll, we'll all get really still and very reverent, and will allow that person to speak. And then after that person has spoken, then the Holy Spirit will move on someone else to interpret. So the interpretation has got, has got to come forward. And when it does, it's the most wonderful thing because it's God building up His church. It's never going to be anything that's going to tear us down or beat us up. If, if, it, if it is, we're going to have to stop you. <laughs> oh, thank you, sis. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, if it is, we will have to stop you because that's not God. He didn't come to condemn anyone, but he came to point us back towards Christ. Amen? All right. So, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He says, all of, those, all of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. So, speaking in tongues with interpretation, it is um, for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret so there could be more than one person that does speak with tongues before the interpretation comes. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Everybody good? Yeah. All right. One more scripture here. 1 Corinthians 14, 18 through 19. This is Paul talking. He said, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Verse 19. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So when you're speaking in, in your known language and you're teaching someone, building them up, it's more effective. But tongues and interpretation does strengthen the church. When you hear a word from God and God says, Thus saith the Lord, acceleration, <laughs> you're on the right track. <laughs> you know, um, yes, I'm in this. Yes, I'm glad that you're moving in this direction. You have not done it yourself, but I am moving you in this direction. It's going to be something like that. Amen. Oh, okay. That's it. That's it.
That's it. That's it. That's it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, glory to God.